BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Yo! Welcome into the House of L podcast. I am Lawrence Holmes. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. Oh, I love these episodes when I get the opportunity to talk with friends of mine. Friends of mine, they're out here doing good. It makes me so happy. I think you're going to love this episode. I hope you do. There's a lot in here. I was thinking about it, like, there's actually a lot in here for everybody. I mean, we we definitely wouldn't be confused with being a hockey pod, but there's a ton of hockey because of who my guest is. But specifically, if you wanted to get some insight into the Blackhawks-Canucks rivalry, my guest today is equipped to have that discussion and we are going to have that discussion I want to tell you off top Chicago window guys I talked about it in the remote broadcast podcast like those guys have incredible incredible material they came and did the whole house if you are looking for a a brighter outlook and increasing your home's value, get some windows from Russ Armstrong. The dude knows what he's doing. He will make it quick. Our consultation took less than 15 minutes. I told him what I was looking for. He was like, okay, this, 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 and this. And he went on and got everything done. ChicagoWindowGuys.com. They came here and got stuff done in one day. One day. They had the, everything built. We found a, a install date. The guys came in here, rocked and rolled. And then later in the day, I had whole new windows and a much warmer place that I am saving money on energy costs. So ChicagoWindowGuys.com. And as I said before, they don't even pay me to say this. I'm just trying to spread the gospel, y'all. And if you're looking for new windows, that's who you need to check out. ChicagoWindowGuys.com. My guest on the podcast I just it sometimes in this business like you connect with people and you go man I just really like that person like I I really think that person is smart or I get where they're coming from and this is one of those people for me 
uh, Randy Janda, who is the color announcer for Vancouver Canucks hockey, which is wild. We are going to talk about that. And one of the hosts of Hockey Night Punjabi. We're definitely talking about that. And a, a host on Sportsnet 650. I've been on his show in Vancouver. And I really like this person. Him and Hanarayan Singh are two guys that I connected with with Hockey Night Punjabi. When I was working at 120 Sports, which then became Stadium, which also is now Bally, I'm really confused. But when I worked over there doing the morning show with Michael Kim and, and with my man Tyler, we had the Hockey Night Punjabi guys on because we would see videos of their calls of games and be like, man, those dudes are <laughs> they're having fun. I have no idea what they're saying. But it doesn't matter because I know I can see that they're having fun. So we ended up connecting with them and getting them on. And Hunter Ryan and, and Deep have been friends of mine since then. So we obviously, because they live in Vancouver, we communicate via text or DM or whatever. And we go on each other's shows occasionally. But I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by the phenomenon that is Hockey Night in Canada, Punjabi. It is, it's like the best show that you've ever seen. They do incredible breakdowns. They have a lot of fun. They are culturally relevant. They know their stuff. They are respected in the hockey community. And, and what they've done to change the way that hockey looks and sounds, I think that they've done the game an incredible service. And when we got a chance to, to just talk to those dudes, um, we were blown away. And if, if you want, you should check out the episode. After you're done listening to this one, you should check out the episode that I did with Hunter Ryan. It's when we do that, 2021. Hunter Ryan was was had his book out. So these guys have succeeded. Like they've won. Like in in the in the way that we almost never see people in the broadcasting industry win. These guys have won. And they're fascinating. And Deep's just a good dude. So I wanted you to hear his story and how he was able to get to these places that he wanted to go. And for those of you that just need some red meat. We have the conversation about the Blackhawks-Canucks rivalry. You know, 2009, 2010, like all of that stuff. You're going to enjoy it. This is my conversation with Randeep Janda, my man, discussing how things are going for him and how he is in this spot that he's in. Things are good, man. You know, it's uh, it's funny because 2017, the NHL draft, that was a uh, I was in town at that point. I remember because uh, the NHL draft was going on. Raren Hosa uh, obviously had the medical issue, and I was in your studio at that point in time uh, while I was in Chicago. So I, I you know, uh, it it seemed like a very long time ago, almost six years ago. That like it's, yeah. it's been a long, long time. But since then, um, you know, it it's been it's been fun. It's been awesome. And when we first connected, and I appreciate you know going back to our even you know me doing hits on on uh on tv with you is really where the the kind of the friendship started but 
you know, coming into your radio studio, uh, chatting, you came on my radio show a number of times to talk, whether it was bears or Blackhawks. So we've kept in touch for a long time, but you know, what's really cool. And, and Lawrence, you're a part of this journey. When we first met, um, I was Randy Janda, host of hockey and Canada Punjabi, which is, I, I still am, which is, I, I'm something that I really am proud of, but I've also been able to do a bunch of other things in my, in my career. And, you know, whether it's doing intermission interviews with the Vancouver Canucks, whether it's, you know, now being the color commentator for the Vancouver Canucks, whether it's just doing a number of other things. So, you know, it's cool to see even through our, just knowing each other, um, how your, your career has gone, obviously you didn't, you know, man, comic books, come on, man. Uh, And then, you know, and on my side, uh to be doing what i'm doing it's really cool to see because even through just a a friendship we've seen so many you know turns and and kind of uh you know just kind of uh progression which is which is you know which is awesome yeah it is and it's always nice when you see good things happen to good people And, and that's how i feel about you so it's it's nice to see you continue to to thrive and i want to get into that but let me go back to the beginning a little bit when when was the moment when was the moment when you fell in love with hockey? My entry point in the game was, um, it, you know, the the moment of like, you know, hockey being in my life. I don't even remember when that happened, like when the first entry point was. But when I fell in love with it was probably, I would say, April to June of 1994. Um, and for a lot of local hockey fans here in my neck of the woods, I got the graphic right behind me, actually. I, I call the games for the team now, but that's the graphic. Uh, that's the logo that I would have fallen in love with way back in the day, 1994, when Pavel Bure uh, was playing for the Vancouver Canucks. And, you know, for a lot of younger fans, imagine Alexander Ovechkin, but like in the 90s, maybe not as physical, but the same amount of speed. I would argue more flair than Ovechkin has. You know, Pavel Bure in his prime was a was a special player, right? So, um, you know, to me, that player and that team in 1994 is the reason I fell in love with the game because I started to watch something with Pavel Bury that I'd never seen before. This is a guy that was the fastest dude on the planet on skates. But on top of that, you know, he could be a pretty greasy player when he wanted to be. Like, go ask Shane Sherlock, who used to play for the Dallas Stars, an enforcer, and Bury gave him a flying elbow that Macho Man uh, Randy Savage would be proud of uh, and just kind of kind of knocked him back. And, you know, this is a guy that, that had a bit of an attitude back in the day. So... When I fell in love with the game, it was actually a lot of people in my neck of the woods fell in love with the game, especially uh, people of South Asian background where hockey was a bit of a, you know, it was it was the most important sport. But like, I think people from my background hadn't fallen in love with it until that summer where the team went to the cup finals and everybody knew Pavel by first name, Trevor, Trevor Linden by first name, you know, Gino Ojik, who was the enforcer on the team, they knew him by first name. So uh, that was the moment for me. Do you think for people of South Asian descent who live in Canada that there's like hockey is kind of a gateway towards like being understood and understanding others or is is that giving hockey too much credit? Well, it's interesting because I think, I think, you know, in Canada, if we were to say generalize, I don't know if that's the case in every corner of the country. I'll be honest with you, but I feel like growing up here, um, I'll, I'll speak to Vancouver first is that when you go to the rink at a Vancouver Canucks game, to this day, I would like to say about 35 to 40% is South Asian. Like, that tells you... Think about that for a second. Like, it's it's a significant number. So, 
going back when I was a kid, maybe seven, eight years old, it wasn't that way. But there came a moment where the good teams are just, you know, the community fell in love with the game. Or I would also attribute it to, uh, it wasn't a steep learning curve for the community. Uh, going back to the old country in India, uh, field hockey was a thing. You know, some of the best players uh, from India come from the state of Punjab, which is, which you know that that's not a that's not much of a deep reach where you're going from field hockey to ice hockey. The only difference is is the playing surface. So I think the understanding of the game has always been there, but really here locally, that passion just seemed to hit right away. And then some good teams came around, whether it was '94 or the West Coast Express era with you know Marcus Naslin, Brendan Morrison, Todd Bertuzzi, or you know the the teams that battled the Chicago Blackhawks for all those years and. You know, you know, whether they loved or hate Patrick Kane, it was mostly hate, uh, or or Jonathan Taves or Marion Hosa, you know, when you have good teams, people will gravitate to your game that much more, which I'm sure, you know, whether the Bulls are a classic example, right? Like you had people internationally fall in love with a, a game. Forget really like Chicago was of course. I remember going to Chicago in 1997 and uh, you know, how knowing how much in in love the city was with Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen and Dennis Rodman and the whole gang. But we're talking about a global level. Um, you know, you could go any corner of the country and or the world and Michael Jordan would be known, but for, for locally here for, you know, you have a good team, a, a team that's in and around the championship um, people would, would gravitate towards it. So I think Vancouver had the head start. Uh, there was that connection, but now you're starting to see it. It has become a bit of a, uh, a connector where, you know, at the very least, it's able to connect people to, you know, that common bond. It provides a a common bond in the country, which is pretty unique to Canada. It's funny that you bring that up about, like, Michael Jordan and the Bulls, because I, I feel like there's a direct line to us looking up now in the NBA and seeing Jokic and Embiid and Luka, seeing these international players be at the top of the league who who grew up looking at the dream team or yeah. the teams that came after that and and being like, you know what? I can be like Dirk and I can go to the NBA and I can succeed. I think that that Michael Jordan specifically and and USA basketball had a huge role in what we're seeing now like the development of it's weird to say this, but there aren't that many star American players left like that are that are coming up. There's Steph Curry, there's Kevin Durant, there's uh, there's John ja Morant, but the old guard is going out. Ja is basically the 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 young American star, and there aren't a ton of them, and it's because of how international the game has gotten. Oh, for sure. And I, you know, I'm, I'm a product of that as well, because, uh, you know, I go back to 97 when I visited Chicago, I also happened to visit New York that year. I was wearing my, and my sister was a, um, a huge, huge Bulls fan. Like she was the one that got me into M MJ and I started reading Sam Smith books and the whole thing. Like I was, I was in it. Um, I remember going to New York and the empire state building wearing a Chicago shirt, right? Like, you know, as a kid, you don't think about this. But in that era, in the late 90s, with the teams that they had, with Patrick Ewing and Anthony Mason and Charles Oakley, this oblivious kid from Vancouver ends up wearing a Chicago shirt. And, and yeah, I'm getting looks. I'm getting chirps from people that work there. But that told you how much, you know, even, even across the border. Now, we're much more connected than we used to be back in the 90s, right? Like, uh, at the drop of a dime, 
I can have a conversation with somebody else on the other side of the planet. Back in the 90s, it was a different ballgame, but that spoke to the international, you know, internationalization of the game. And I, um, you know, so I respect that as the the Jordan post-Barcelona kind of era. But you know what? Hockey has kind of benefited from that similarly, where if you look at Wayne Gretzky, and even though, you know, his heyday, I think his best years, if you look at statistically, were in Edmonton. But when he went to L.A., he changed the game. And you start looking at some of the talent that's coming out of California now. Uh, you know, Jason Robertson, who's a top 10 scorer with the Dallas Stars in the NHL, he's from Arcadia, California. That does not happen. There are guys that are popping up in different eras, whether it's a Mike Medano that played in Dallas, Texas. And now all of a sudden, you've got players that are popping out of there. And I'm sure Illinois with the Patrick Kane effect is going to take effect maybe 10 years from now. So Michael Jordan is the big, you know, he's the one that changed the game. But every major star that comes out of every sport and I think hockey is going to benefit from this too, as guys. And, you know, Lawrence is that you're going to see those young players 10 to 15 years from now say, yeah, I used to watch Jason, you know, Jason Robertson and, or, or Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves, who's a Canadian kid that ended up, you know, being the guy in Chicago and led them three Stanley cups. So it's not Michael Jordan, but it's still a, a level of that, or at least a, you know, a, a comparison anyways. You brought up the, rivalry between chicago and vancouver and and as like my hockey thing grew i don't know if there's another team like the the rivalry between the blackhawks and nashville has gotten really interesting like it's still going on today where they do this weird thing about you have to live in a certain zip code to get tickets to go to games down there because yeah. they didn't want Chicago fans infiltrating Nashville. Nashville was kind of growing its hockey brand. But I don't know if I've ever felt, as as an adult, I remember the Hawks Red Wings stuff from when I was a kid. And they still say Detroit sucks uh, at Blackhawks games. It doesn't matter who they're playing. But the Vancouver Canucks, as the Blackhawks were starting to, to rise, the, the Sedins... Kevin Bieksa, like it was a thing. It became a thing. So I love, I'd love to know what it was like from your perspective, and if the people in Vancouver felt that same heat that people in Chicago did. Oh yeah, and I probably times like three, and I, there was a lot of heat because remember, you guys won every single series except that final one where Campoli turns it over to Burroughs and we know what happens, right? Like that's that's slaying the dragon is what we call it in vancouver you guys were the dragon like think about that for a second right chicago lived in the minds of vancouver rent free every single year so ah. the heat was times i think i'm being kind when i say times three it was probably times 10 um but going back to those days and i was in a unique circumstance because i was i started my career in media in 2010 so like right then about there and i was in the building in the press box when the Canucks finally slayed the Dragon, when they finally won that playoff series. But I was also, you know, a year or two before that, I was in the crowd. I was, you know, there as a fan. And let me tell you, it was, whether it was Dave Boland, whether it was, the rat. you know, uh, yeah, whether it was Dustin Bufflin, right? People focus on Dustin Bufflin as a Winnipeg Jet. His rear end was a problem for the Roberto Luongo. <laughs> like, just backing in. You know, before twerking was a thing, Lawrence. <laughs> Dustin Bufflin was doing that to Roberto Luongo. 
And, you know, obviously the big dogs, right? Like we're talking about Patrick Kane, who's, in my opinion, you know, the greatest American player to ever play the game. No disrespect to Brett Hall, but like Patrick Kane to me is a next level player. Jonathan Taves, when you're talking about a heart and soul guy in his prime, he is he is what you want in the playoffs. Duncan Keith, Seabrook. And, and as a Vancouver guy, you know, obviously it pains me to say that to a certain extent, but at the same time, there's a respect. For Vancouver, it was a, uh-oh, we got him again. And even remember, going back to that most, you know, that series in 2011, they were up in that series. You guys, Chicago came back, and that game went to OT. So I was in the building that night when Burroughs scored the overtime goal, and the tension was unbelievable. Like, when we talk about the heat, you know, this was Robert De Niro, Al Pacino heat. Like, they're sitting at the table in the diner, my yes. friend. Yes. Like, that's what it was. They were looking around the corner in that, you know, you know, around the container in the final scene. That's what it was. It was legitimately, to this day, I can say this, probably the most intense game I've ever been to. Wow. Like any sport. Like that's how that's how crazy that game seven was to me. And remember, I, I was in the building for Boston versus Vancouver in the cup final, all of that. Uh, I've been lucky enough to attend a lot of games, but that game against Chicago, yeah, man, uh, that was <laughs> that was next level. You start thinking, because I think Luongo, out of all the guys on the Canucks, I think he was the person that Blackhawks fans respected and kind of liked. But like yeah. Rafi Torres and Kevin Bieksa, no, no, no. And I used to do a weekly show with Bufflin. Okay. Yeah. It, and and you know that it was amazing. Like he's a, one of the most interesting dudes I've ever met, and he didn't ever really want to talk about hockey. He wanted to talk yeah. about fishing. fishing guy. Yes, yeah. he wanted to talk yeah. about fishing, and he wanted to talk about video games. Those were the things that he wanted to discuss, not hockey. But whenever you brought up Vancouver, you could see like he would get tense. Yeah. If you were discussing it. Which made it that more fun for me. So, you know, we're in a unique circumstance because, you know, I do the color commentary now, but for about four or five years, I hosted my own show. So every now and then we'd bring on former Canucks or former Chicago Blackhawks. And every time, every time, and we used to have Shane O'Brien, who was in a, on a part of those uh, early Canucks teams, and he hated Burrish, <laughs> right? And there was a couple of guys, like you could go down the entire Chicago lineup and be like, yep, don't like that guy, don't like that, that guy. Uh, but that being said, that's a sign of a great rivalry, man. And remember, this is not a divisional rival. We're not right. talking about Pacific Division or Central Division rivals. This was a rivalry that came about when it mattered the most. In the playoffs, these two teams end up meeting in the one-day format. And when you'd circle that calendar in April to say, all right, let's see how this shakes out, that's where this rivalry was born. So at the time, I think whether you lived in Vancouver or Chicago, you're just saying, you know, and Alex Burroughs, Ryan Kessler, Kevin Bieksa, not fun guys to play against. And I think that's why they're loved in Vancouver is because they were jerks, but they were Vancouver's jerks, right? And very much like any, whether it's a football team, a basketball team, or a hockey team, if there's a guy that's, you know, you love to have on your team, but if you're the opposition, you would hate their guts. They're, they're cult heroes. They're fan favorites. And those guys in Vancouver are kind of seen the same way that some of those guys in Chicago are seen, whether it's Bolin, Burrish, definitely Bufflin. Um, and you know, you can go on from there, but it, that's a sign of a great rivalry. So I think a lot of those guys that I talked to more recently, uh, you know, whether it's the, uh, the BXs and the Versteegs from Chicago, they look back at that and say, 
hey, yeah, we, we didn't like those guys, and maybe we don't like them so much anymore to a certain degree. But, man, that was a great rivalry. Whenever I'm in Canada, you're always like, hey, why are you all the way over there? Why don't you come out west? So, all right, I'm I'm ready. Tell me why yeah. I should come to Vancouver. Okay, Vancouver, a couple of things. First of all, there's only a few cities on the planet, not North America, on the planet that you can be on the ocean, you can go to the beach. On the same day, you can hit the slopes and ski. There's not many places you can do that. Vancouver is legit. Right now, this time of the year especially, you can go on the beach when the sun is out, and you can go snowboard, you can go ski, you can do all that, you can do the hiking. So that's one thing, right? Food, if you love Asian food, if you love Japanese food, you know, that stuff inland, it, does, it takes you like two, three days to get that stuff. Here on the West Coast, it's good. It's not like on the East Coast where you got to wait like four days till you get it. And on top of that, hey, come on. It, it's Lawrence. I, I'll, I'll show you around the town too. So food, I think the natural beauty of the city and in general, just, you know, the low key chill aspect of Vancouver, which is something that, uh, you know, it's a West Coast vibe. Hey, you're hanging out on the East Coast way too much, man. You got to come out to the West Coast. I know, I know. I I will say that I have fallen in love with Montreal. Great like, city. great city. I, I I was not ready for it. Like my parents had gone 25 years ago, and yeah. they were like, "Oh, you know, you're gonna love it." And I'm like, "All right, all right." And as soon as the restrictions lifted, I was like, "I'm going," because who knows? Like, who knew what 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 the world was going to be or what it is going to be. I was like, I got to take this opportunity to go to Montreal. And I tell you, I I got off the plane in Montreal, and I felt at home. That's weird. Like, after all the places that I've traveled throughout my career, that's never really happened. Where I I walked off the plane, I was like, oh, this this has got a a feel of Chicago, which I like, but it's clearly international, and... I'm basically having to use what I know of Spanish to understand French to try and get around. And yeah. it the food was amazing. The people were incredibly polite. And I was like, man, this is the spot. Now look, I've I've been to Ottawa. I've been yeah. to Toronto. And it's Toronto is Chicago to me. Like they're almost built exactly the same. It's very strange to be there for me. But Montreal was, oh, and I went to Quebec City. And I've never felt more. That's why we talked when you went there, right? Because I messaged you. That's right. I don't know if I've ever felt more out of place than (laughs) I was in Quebec City. You and me both, my friend. Right, right. But it's still gorgeous. I'm glad I went and all that stuff. But I'm going to take your advice. I do need to come to to the West Coast of of Canada and enjoy Vancouver because – any one of my friends that has been to Vancouver says, you you got to see it. It's beautiful. And if I know something about you, because, you know, follow you on Instagram, known you for the last couple of years, you love your food. I do. Um, and Vancouver, and here's the difference. Like, I, I love Chicago. I have family, like I mentioned, you know, um, where they live in the Burbs. So, you know, when I visited last time, I came and, you know, stayed stayed on the, uh, you know, in downtown Chicago and, and really enjoyed it. And got to see a Cubs game and the whole thing, like did the whole did the whole experience. But um, so I, I love taking in the flavor of a city, right? Whether that's you know the food that's local to it. With Vancouver, it's the Asian food scene here because we're on the Pacific. You know, just not too far away from the Pacific Rim. We're on the Pacific Coast. 
you know, we have some of the best Japanese, Chinese, uh, fusion. Uh, hey, man, if you're visiting Vancouver, I got to take you to my favorite Indian spots, too. My favorite Punjabi spots. If you, I hope you like Indian food because I, I definitely got to take you to a few of those, too. So, you know, the food is great, uh, very international and just just a different vibe. You know, it's it's when you, you live somewhere and I'm sure you, know, you might be able to relate to this, that you take it for granted and then you go away for a little bit. And you're like, all right. No, this is exactly why I love the city. There's something so unique to it. And I think with Vancouver, it's it's there's a, a confluence of so many things happening, man. The food, uh, you know, just just the uniqueness of where we're situated. Like I said, we've got a a beautiful like if you want to go out one day and just be like, you know what? I want to be in nature, literally 20 minutes and you're in nature, not even 20 minutes. Sometimes you're just right there. If you want to do, uh, you know, a great food scene, that's there. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that, that's my uh, that's my push for Vancouver tourism. It's a good pitch for sure. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When did you guys know that Hockey Night Punjabi was a hit? It's interesting because um, when I got involved in 2014, 2015, I, it'd been around for a few years, right? It'd been around since 2009. So um, I came around to it a little bit, a few years later, but you know, we had a lot of great support going in the community for a bunch of years, but like a hit hit when we're talking about, um, we started getting messages just a lot more internationally. And, And I'm, talking us i'm talking about you know internationally in india i'm talking about you know and that's where anecdotally we're like okay wait a second you know vancouver was big for us calgary's big for us uh toronto's big for us but this thing's growing which uh really kind of started opening our eyes and you know the benino 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 call obviously when you start doing things and you're in radio across the the country uh in the united states internationally you're on around the horn and pti um that was just mind-blowing but i'll tell you actually the moment we realized we were bigger than we thought we were was actually in chicago and yeah the, I, not many people know this we were on our way to pittsburgh for the stanley cup parade there's no direct flights from vancouver to pittsburgh you got to stop at o'hare so we actually got to o'hare switched planes we didn't actually get into chicago we were just like you know having our, our Giordano's pizza at the airport, you know, whatever, right? <laughs> it's, not, it's not probably the selling point for Chicago deep dish, but whatever. We were having our slice of pizza and we get onto the plane in Chicago and people that are flying to Pittsburgh are like, wait a second, you're those guys. And we're like, what do you mean those guys? We're like, no, the guys that like the city of Pittsburgh is talking about you. Like we're seeing you guys everywhere. We are, you know, so the Pittsburgh residents that were flying back from Chicago on that plane 
were like, no, no, this city is in, like crazy for you. And at that moment is when we realized, uh oh, okay, yeah. In Vancouver, we did not know how big we were. While on the plane, we were all sitting in separate parts of the plane. We had a, you know, we had a terrible trip planning. We were like one guy in the back, one guy in the front, two in the middle. And everybody that was sitting next to us was like, oh, we know who you are. And then when we land in, land in Pittsburgh, it was people taking pictures and tagging us on Twitter and Instagram. And we're just like, you know, it was kind of a weird moment. But I think that's when we realized that, oh, okay, the work that we're doing is we thought, you know, it was just on in the online world. But, you know, people are, this is much bigger than we thought it was. So that was an eye opener and it has a Chicago connection as well. What type of feedback do you get from people in the Punjab community about the show, about you guys, about how, how you've helped to bring about their culture to a bigger audience? It's, you know, it's been an ongoing thing because every year it feels like we hear it from somebody new. And I'll go back to Pittsburgh for a second because Pittsburgh has a Punjabi community, but it's not a huge Punjabi community. So for a lot of people there, and and when we went out there, um, it really hit home where we had people reaching out to saying and saying, hey, you know, in Pittsburgh, a lot of folks that lived in the city didn't even know what Punjabi was. They didn't know what our background was. They didn't know what the language was. So we actually had a couple of, you know, a few residents reach out and say, hey, thanks for putting us on the map here locally, because we've actually had people reach out and say, hey, are you Punjabi, by the way? That stuff we're hearing on air or in the radio calls or the stuff that, you know, the, that's going viral. Uh, so they they effectively told us that you're helping, you know, represent the community here locally, which I'm not going to lie, Lawrence. I didn't, you know, me and my colleagues, when we started this thing, I think it was an aim of ours to put the language out there and really be proud of who we are. But it was so much more than that, where, you know, in a world where, um, you know, I think we generally, we generally are, we ask questions, we want to know about people, but let's be honest, in, in the real world, uh, we live in our silos, and sometimes we don't seek that information out, right? That, that's, the re that's the reality of the situation. And sometimes you don't know who your neighbor are, is, or somebody who lives across you from the street, uh, across the street. Um, so that to have somebody say, no, you guys have actually helped, uh, you know, initiate conversations and, and people have asked about our background and, and, you know, you know, whether it's the Punjabi culture, or the Sikh faith, uh, that was huge for us because we never thought about it that way. We just thought we were, you know, reporting, uh, sports in a different language, but to actually paint a picture and, you know, raise awareness about, uh, people, that was something that, you know, living in Canada, we don't maybe think that about that so much because, you know, there's, there's South Asians and there's Punjabis, you know, in every strip, you know, part of the city. Uh, so that was a really cool moment. And the other feedback we get is, and, um, you know, something that I take a lot of pride in is for the next generation in terms of just learning the language. Um, I grew up here in Vancouver, um, I learned Punjabi for basically because of two reasons. Uh, my grandmother lived with us, so she was the only one that didn't speak English. So I was in a position to learn because of her. And uh, she's no longer with us, but I, I, you know, can't thank her enough because without her, without her being in my life and in the picture, I don't have this. All right? mm. So really it links back to her and, you know, giving me this. Uh, opportunity to learn the language and I don't know if I'm I, I'm doing what I'm doing if it's uh, without her the other aspect is my parents uh, my mom she's been in the country since 1981 um, she knows English but we always spoke you know Punjabi at home 
whether it's at least 50-50. So to me, now be to be in a position where I'm on air, you know, once a week speaking effectively my second language, but I know it fluently, uh, it I've heard so much feedback from the community to say, hey, you guys speak it. It's now, you know, I had one person come up to me and say, you know, our kids, unfortunately, we weren't able to teach them, but they're they're in a position now where they want to watch your show. They like hockey, but as a result, they're also learning Punjabi and they're saying, hey, wait a second, we want to learn. And the show was a launching point for them, but now they're starting to speak it at home too. So so to me, you know, there's no bigger, um, no bigger, you know, confirmation of what we do than that because I'm not in this position without the Punjabi language. So the feedback that we get from the community is that, you know, we're drawing people people closer to the the language. And honestly, um, that to me is is one of the biggest things we can do because the language has given us so much. I can't ima- well, I, I guess technically I can imagine. I've I've I think I've told the story on the podcast before. A couple years ago, I was up for the radio play-by-play job for the White Sox. So my my team, right? Mm-hmm. I was imagining what it would be like to be the play-by-play guy for my team. And I, I have some friends with experience, you know, Jason Benetti, who does White Sox games, White Sox fan, we went to the same high school. Adam Amin, who does Bulls games, grew up a Bulls fan. You hear it, like it comes through. Yeah. For you, to get the call of, you're doing on ice stuff first, and then you end up as the color commentator. When you were offered these opportunities, how did you feel? It was, um, you know, kid in a candy store moment, right? Because as old as we get, whether it's, you know, I'm, I'm 36 now, uh, but you still feel like a kid. You feel like you're 15 years old, essentially. Wow. Like I, I'm able to cover my team. I remember when I started doing hockey night in Canada, um, different complex, obviously, because we're covering every single Canadian team. We're covering American teams as well. But when I started working in local radio, covering the Vancouver Canucks, getting access to players, doing those interviews, talking to club legends, it was, holy smokes, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like this is, you know, my first ever interview in the game of hockey. The first ever one was the night that the Canucks retired Marcus Naslin's number 19 into the rafters. Like it was throw into the deep end kid. Let's see what you got moment. And ever since that day, every time I get an opportunity to do that, it feels like that. So when they reached out and said, Hey, we want you to do intermissions. Uh, Sportsnet did. I was like, wow, that's amazing. Um, it, you know, it was a really cool experience. It was right before COVID. So I wasn't able to, you know, maybe take advantage of it <laughs> as much as I wanted to, but even those few months that I was able to do it, it was unbelievable. And then when I got the call for the color commentary job, something I'd done, in Punjabi, in a different language, um, but now to be able to do that in English, it was it was unbelievable. You, you know, you look back at some of those individuals that used to call games, like any market, any market. Um, there's a select handful of people that work that job. You're so lucky to do what you do, whether it's a color commentator or the play-by-play, and you can probably count those individuals' names on on two you know two hands, right? Um, as depending on how how far back your team goes. So to be included in that group, to be able to learn from those guys, first of all, as a, a spectator, as a, a, a distant participant in the sport, and now to be able to be, you know, calling those games, uh, it's like I said, it's like a, a kid in a candy store moment where um, it's hard to believe early on. And I think there's a, an element of, 
wow, I can't believe I'm here. But at the same time, a little bit after that, you're like, all right, we got some work to do right? because you want you take pride in your work as well. So, you know, you want to be prepared. You want to be ready to go. But anytime I walk into that rink, man, it, it feels weird because as a kid, uh, I'd walk into back then GM place, whether it was to watch the uh, the Vancouver Grizzlies or or the Vancouver Canucks. And now to be able to do that and call that work, um, it's it's a surreal moment to this day. I've done play-by-play for baseball. I've done a lot of college basketball. I've even done football. I've never done hockey. What's your prep like for a game? Yeah, the prep is interesting because I, you know, when I started working at Hockey Night, here's a, a little bit of a, uh, I don't know if, you know, your listeners know, but for Hockey Night in Canada, Punjabi, we actually do two games, right? So there's a, a national game. We're actually based in studio. So this whole COVID stuff, uh, you know, calling games from studio, we've been doing it for like, a long time so so you know because we were based in vancouver so we were calling two games a day going back seven eight years ago so this is you know that's what we do um but when it comes to hockey so we'd be i'd be preparing for two games every weekend when i used to do that i still do that from a studio aspect but back in the day wow we'd be we'd be cramming and and doing research for two games every single saturday that's that's what we did now for the color commentary gig, um, don't have to do two games, but there is, you know, there's a level of, you want to know, it's un, you know, it's not realistic to know everything about every player, but you want to know the main storylines. You want to obviously know a little bit about every single player because you don't know what's going to happen in a game. So Lawrence, it's like, as you can relate, it's immersing yourself in, in those people and what they've done and the, the trends of the game. So when I look at it and, you know, I've had to streamline a little bit because I felt like I used to take way too much time. And there's a, such a thing called over preparation, too, because sure. then you're just so immersed in the numbers that all you see is numbers and you're not you're not paying attention to the same degree as of the play that's going on. Right. So, like, I used to I think when I started off, especially with Hockey Night Canada Punjabi, I used to over immerse myself in, in the background. But it's a fine balance of knowing what you you know do your research, but also reading the play. And with hockey, a game that is so, uh, you know, prone to lucky bounces, prone to defensive breakdowns every single second, it's just, you know, the prep for me is half of it stats. The other half is just looking at trends within games, watching, rewatching games, uh, you know, uh, watching the Canucks the second or third time around just to be like, all right, what kind of tendencies am, am I picking up? Um, so, yeah, there's it's just, you know, looking at the game in a different way. So a lot of prep, but I... I think you just have to watch that game because, um, yeah, there's on the second watch, you might notice something that in real time you missed. What advice would you give someone who looks at what you're doing and goes, I want to be deep when I grow up? How, how would you tell them they have a chance to get there? What I would tell, you know, that person is that, you know, my story is very unconventional. I got a degree in political science. I did not go to journalism school. I did not go to broadcast school. I had people that believed in me. Um, and, you know, I, I pursued my passion on the side of what I was doing uh, in school. And it just kept on pursuing it. So, you know, in terms of an education aspect, I'm not the guy to follow because I didn't really follow that. But one of the things that I did do was pursue that passion. If you believe in something, if you believe in yourself, if you believe in, you know, that you know, you, you have a, an impact to make, um, continue to continue to pursue that. And the other thing I would say is, 
you know, the most important thing for me, given my, my road was be a sponge, take everything in, try every opportunity that's given to you early on, especially and that maybe, you know, as you get older, you refine, you specialize, but in order to truly understand what, you know, broadcasting is about, what this business is about, you have to know all the interchangeable parts. You have to know how things are done behind the scenes. And I started off as a researcher in a news, you know, newsroom, which is at that, in that newsroom anyways, it was the lowest rung on the ladder where you have to work your way up and, and you know, eventually work my way up to the assignment desk. Then I was the assignment editor. Then I started producing and eventually ended up doing some, you know, guest spots on TV. So it took me about five years to actually get to that spot. It didn't happen overnight. Uh, it took me, you know, I had to gain that, that trust. So the one, a couple of things I would say is be a sponge, um, you know, taking in that information uh, and then take your opportunities, uh, try everything. And that's the only way you're able to actually uh, really, you know, really see what you like, what you enjoy. And sometimes you got to throw yourself in the deep end, right? Com being comfortable is not, is not something that's worked for me. Uh, anytime that I've, I felt overwhelmed in certain moments, that's also where I've gotten growth. Um, and finally, and I think there's a lot of people uh, that might be able to relate to this. The last thing I would say is when I started off in broadcasting, being a broadcaster of Punjabi background was not a thing. Like there, you were walking into a room often and people were just like, you know, not knowing who you were, not knowing what you did, didn't get. I had people tell me that we don't think Punjabi, you know, Hockey Night Canada Punjabi is going to work. I had people in the community of the background tell me that. And that was, you know, kind of took, you know, I was taken aback a little bit, but at the same time, you're going to have moments like that where people are going to tell you that, hey, yeah, you know, maybe it might not work. Maybe, uh, maybe there's some adversity there, but that's, that's one of the things you have to power through. And what, you know, me and my colleagues had was that we had that, we had that strength to say, no, we're proud of who we are, what we are and what we represent. And we can be so much more than just one thing, you know? I'm a proud Punjabi Canadian. I can speak English. I'm doing that right now. I can speak Punjabi. I do that every Saturdays. I do that at home with my parents. Um, but what I would say is on top of the work ethic and all that, just be who you are. Uh, you know, that's something that's really important to me to this day, whether it's on social media, whether it's doing a show in English or in Punjabi, um, just being yourself. You know, there's sometimes in our business, there's a, a there's a, you know, an expectation of you have to, you know, fit in to the establishment um and that's not necessarily the case you know you have to be yourself and there's in today's day and age i think especially here in you know i can speak from in the canadian context i'm not in the united states but i can definitely uh speak in the canadian context that you know be yourself and that's going to make you a better broadcaster you're going to be that much more confident so uh those three things is what i'd focus on and just be like yeah you know it's okay to be, it's okay to be, you know, who you are, because in the past, we've maybe molded towards what broadcasting wants of us. Now, it's time to turn the tables and say, all right, you want what I'm selling, because I'm truly unique. And I can, you know, get my message across in a way that that represents the community and not the other way around. This is joyous, man. I, uh, I really appreciate you giving my podcast a little bit of time and all of the recommendations, and I promise you, I will make it to Vancouver. And when we go, we will go hard. We will, we, we, we will go hard. I want to see all of it. I want to see everything. All right. Um, all right. 
but I really thank you for, for giving me time. And I'm glad that we've continued to stay in touch, man. Cause I, I like being inspired by good people and, and seeing what, what you guys, I had Hunter Ryan on, we had a great time. We were talking about all sorts of stuff. Seeing you guys continue to win is like one of my favorite things, seeing the impact that you have and, seeing people want to be a part of it and taking joy in what it is you do is really, really cool, very inspiring. And I'm, I'm very happy that I know you. Thank you very much, Lawrence. And like going back, you know, when we first met, um, I, I appreciate that too. Cause man, that like, there's a, there's a, um, you know, you meet a lot of people in this business. You meet a lot of people that it's an interview here, or, a, you know, maybe you do a hit on a radio show or something like that. Uh, but to stay in touch, and genuinely people that support you and, and keep an eye on you as, as you know, you go on in your career. But anytime I've reached out to have you on my radio show, uh, there's never a, Hey, sorry, I'm busy or not this time. Or, Hey, yeah, you know, uh, it's always been, let's make it happen somehow, some way. And, and that's love, man. I appreciate it. And I, I got to say this too, uh, speaking of love, I love Chicago. I have family out there. It's been a while. Um, but like I've done Chicago, but I don't think I've done it the proper way. I'm a I'm a history geek and Chicago has so much history, uh, whether it's, you know, especially the south side, you know, going back to come on through. To, yeah. Hey, man, going back to the city fair back in 1870. I know my history. Like, I, I know all of that. Like, <laughs> I want to I want to walk the midway. I want to do all of that, man. So I want to I, li- I, I literally know, live- I want to know Lawrence's homes uh, south side of Chicago. I want to know. I want to know all that. I live five blocks from the midway. OK, it's lit. Okay. It's literally five blocks away. So the next time you come down, you, you, you come to Chicago, you come to the south side, I'll take you to one of the oldest restaurants in the city. We'll hit up Promontory Point. I'll show you uh, the, the Statue of the Republic, which is a replica of, of the, the World's Fair. I'll show you Devil in the White City, like all of that stuff. Okay, okay. Yep. It's all, and I live right around the corner from President Obama's house. Okay, there you go. So we'll do there the whole go. we'll do the whole and, thing. Okay. And I know you well, man. You gotta you gotta take me to your spots for donuts too. Come on, man. Dude, don't 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 do not do not leave that out. All right, do not leave that out. All right, we'll we'll do that too. We got a couple of Southside joints that we can hit up. And make sure we All get right. donuts, man. You're the best. Thank you so much for doing this. No, no, thank you for having me. Always a pleasure, my friend. So glad that Deep had the opportunity and had the time to spend with me. I'm trying to do a better job of. The thing is, is that I really like talking to people. And you're like, folks got stuff to do. So I'm trying not to keep people in here for an hour. But, you know, sometimes it's some, some of the best stuff you get. Like the Lynn Bramer episode. Early on, I think Lynn was episode 12 of House of L. So you got to go all the way back into the archives for that. Uh, I miss Lynn very much. And I went to... Before I had my colonoscopy last week, you have to do like a purge. Like you have to clean out your system because they're putting a camera in your intestines and they have to be able to see things. So you got to clean your system out. But before that, you know, you there's one day where you cannot eat. And my system is a little slower than others. So I usually will have my last meal. At around like five or six o'clock the night before I can't eat anymore. So Lynn used to always talk about candlelight up on Western. And I was like, that's very far from my house. 
but I'm going to go to it and have my meal there. So I finished the show with Dan. I I went to DePaul and hung out because DePaul was on spring break. So I knew that I could just kind of hang. Like I wasn't in anyone's way. Like I just kind of went to the commons and hung out there until candlelight opened up. I was one of the first people in the door. I had an amazing pizza there. And I'm very simple when it comes to my pizza. All I want on it is pepperoni and I'm good. And it was great. I had a great time. I will go back. Like it is worth the 20 miles or whatever it is. That that place is legit on the edge of the city. I was like, oh shit. I am in Evanston. That is Evanston. Right there's the IHOP. Right there. Folks be getting in trouble. Or they used to back in the day. But I was thinking about Lynn like the whole time. But it's great when you meet people and you vibe with them and you're able to talk to them about what it is they do. I'm glad that I have that conversation forever on House of L because it, it speaks to like the brilliance of that man. And I'm glad that my guy Deep had time for me and he was generous with the time. And we had a really good time. Like that dude and what they've accomplished at Hockey Night Punjabi is magical. Like it's, it's so fun. You don't, you you don't even have to speak Punjabi to enjoy it. It's that dope. If you haven't looked it up, you should. I hope that you enjoy the the episode for sure. We are going to start two baseball podcasts in April. I cannot wait for you to hear them. I think they're going to be a lot of fun. And I actually think that it opens up a lot of doors for us to do some similar content with other teams. But you'll have to wait until that first episode drops before we can do that. I Okay. Thanks again for your love and support of this podcast. It is very much appreciated. ChicagoWindowGuys.com. I'm telling you. Check them out if you need new windows for your place. I will talk to you next time. Make sure you check out the latest episode of Sports Adjacent inside the House of L podcast. Those guys are doing really funny stuff. You should check it out. I'll talk to you next time. Peace. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.